had hoped you would find your way to us sooner. I will have revenge. It's over 150 hours of Star Wars on film. This is the Star Wars binge, where we select, order, and elevate the best 40 hours of the Star Wars canon. My name is Jeff Cook. I teach philosophy in Greeley, Colorado, and in Denver is the Daniel Mothershed, playwright, comedian, and pop culture enthusiast. This is true. This is the sound of my voice. My man. How we doing? We are rolling. We are in part two of the fantastic Night Sisters episode. Which was just a killer 1980s hairband. <laughs> right? Is that... Pour some entrails on me was their was their big hit. Like, I'm sure there's a logic like a a bot generator <laughs> online for 80s hairband names. Like <laughs> you put like time of the year in your favorite relative, you know, and like uh, unsettling adjective, greasy Uncle Kevin. Let's print a T-shirt. Done. I just realized I have an uncle named Kevin, and I hope he doesn't hear this. <laughs> <laughs> well, just for. To back up for a minute, this is season three, episode twelve. We obviously, uh, we obviously really got into this episode. There's so much to talk about here. Again, I said uh, the character beats, plot, movement. Man, this is this is movie quality for me. Absolutely. Well, we left after Anakin Kenobi and Asajj Ventress had escaped a ship blowing up, and apparently that explosion did so much damage that Ventress couldn't quite get away, and she is left in her ship unconscious in a pile of space debris, and that's where we're going to pick up. There's this image that comes in a lot of movies where somebody in a spaceship stumbles upon something in outer space, and they have big flashlights, you know, or it's like deep under the water, and you're like, I wonder if there's survivors in there, and you're peering through things with with the flashlights, I'm always a sucker for these scenes. There, there's a whole episode of Firefly. Yeah. With Captain Mal on the ship by himself because they're running out of oxygen and, and everybody's kind of been sent away. And it's just him and you wonder if he's going to make it. Is it similar uh, to Tony Stark at the beginning of Endgame, yeah? Oh, man, yeah. Lost in space. That could be a whole show. <laughs> doesn't have to be just that one episode friends no it could be space is infinite you could get lost a lot <laughs> and for a long there's, time there's a lot of like alien going on in those sorts of shots for me and obviously that's how alien starts with what sigourney weaver being found just love that that's my favorite i know i know uh pop culture wise aliens is not the favorite of those two movies but it is it is oh. my favorite of those two no I'm I'm much bigger. I think Aliens is very rewatchable. I don't I don't know that Alien is, but that might just be me. I love the first Alien movie, and I've watched yeah. it a lot. And it's it's one of the few things that scares the crap out of me as much as it did still, or not maybe yeah. not scares me because I know it's good, but like like I still get anxious and unsettled. Totally. I also have a very vivid memory of seeing Aliens in a hotel room with my parents on a family vacation it was just uh, my dad we were little and my dad just let us watch it yeah <laughs> and i remember things a bishop is still <laughs> one of my favorite android characters because of the scene where he does the knife thing on his hand like that's totally so i have like a very vivid memory of that whole film and uh, yeah hey bishop man 
Do the thing with the oh, knife. Please. Oh, please. Come on, yeah. 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 All right, yeah. Hey, what are you doing, man? Hey, what are you doing? Come Don't on, quit messing around, Drake. Right? Come on. Bishop, hey, man. Trust me. <laughs> it wasn't funny, man. I have a vivid memory of being in a lunchroom with a butter knife and like all the middle schoolers around to say, who oh can do God. it fastest? And, and of course you miss and you go, ah! of course. Well, it was a butter knife, so you're probably fine. <laughs> but we saw it in the movie. Absolutely. And he was fine. <laughs> he was fine. He, he nicked just, himself. He just, yeah. He, and all that came out of his hand was like sort of a gross, milky uh, secretion. That's another uh, movie that's real similar in kind. I don't know if you mentioned it in Bad Batch, but uh, Aliens has Bad Batch has a lot of Aliens influence going on in terms of the the team Omega as the little girl surrounded by warriors as Newt. Newt, that's right. My my best friend is a is a you know him, but is a is a big old like six foot guy with a very deep voice. And he knows all of her dialogue in that scene where he's like, <laughs> they mostly come out at night. Mostly. And it's it's funny and unsettling when he does it. <laughs> well, that's what we're going to pick up. We're going to pick up with that wreckage. And uh, we see a salvage ship flying through the debris. And it illuminates the body of Ventress in her dark cockpit. Pirates move in, receive Ventress's ship into the small cargo hold. Again, something that's stolen by some of the sequel movies. This is straight out of uh, Force Awakens. The mm-hmm. well, I suppose. Shoot, I suppose it's the first scene in Star Wars, isn't it? It's the larger ship swallowing the smaller ship. Well, and this just feels very much like a space movie trope too. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, Star Wars, sure. but also beyond. At least to me, there's always a bigger fish. <laughs> Man, that scene, I hate that. As as you know, I'm terrified of the ocean. So that is a scene that uh, I do not enjoy. Well, we got some pirates, though. These pirates grab hold of Ventress and her ship. I love pirates in Star Wars. Very similar to bounty hunters in terms of what they communicate about the world. Chaos and lawlessness. Apparently, having watched uh, The Martian, I am aware that maritime law applies to space. And so <laughs> space pirates... This is the thing. And as we know from Michael Bluth, who pla- practiced maritime law in Arrested Development, saw the trial of Captain Hook. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Have you watched Arrested Development? Oh, I haven't, but... There's a, there's a moment where he's talking to a lawyer, and he's like, what kind of law? Do-? He says he's a lawyer, too. And like, what kind of law do you practice? And he pauses, and he flashes back to, in elementary school, he was in a play called The Trial of Captain Hook. A, a musical <laughs> and he sings at him you're a crook captain hook and and so and then the flashback ends and 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 you hear her again what law do you practice and he goes maritime law <laughs> all it makes me think of well clone wars and some of the newer star wars are actually gonna really utilize pirates we're gonna meet a character named hondu traitors scum i'm so proud but so betrayed. Uh, who is a pirate who pops up all the time? Kind of, he's kind of a comic reliefy character, but he also has some sinister elements. Well, in Mandalorian too. I mean, they're the pirates that Mando has to reteam with to to 
get their buddy out of jail. Oh, of course. Good Bill call. Burr and all those guys. I didn't think about that. Right, um, they are pirates, aren't they? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Apparently, some of the major villains that they're highlighting in the High Republic books and comics that are coming out right now, which is the period prior to Palpatine, mm-hmm. apparently they're pushing into like this pirate. I don't know if it's an empire, but it's you know it's a larger collection of pirates who are overseeing large swaths of space, just kind of like Jabba does with the gangsters. Well, I think that's that's I think that's super interesting. This the sort of pirate kingdom. It's done. I don't think it's done very well, but I mean, it's done in one of the pirates of the Caribbean films, where where sure. it's, where you see this like one island where all the pirates come to and have these like m- the meeting of all the pirate kingdoms. Yeah, and I think that as a concept is fascinating. We've talked about the five families getting together. That's exactly, well, and that's exactly what it is in in that movie. Yeah, I haven't seen those. I saw the first one. I need to. I need to go through them at some point. The uh, the first two are exceptional pirate films. Apparently, Chuck Wendig. I haven't read these, but the but there's a book series which you may have seen the covers for that called Aftermath. It's mm-hmm. a Star Wars series. I think my brother has them on his bookshelf. I think that's what you right. said. That and I was like, wait a minute. I think I've seen that. <laughs> one set of characters are those that take possession of a super star destroyer, which houses the poor and homeless. And they've built like this utopia in it, which seeks to both plunder and rebuild, you know, after the devastation caused by the empire. Kind of a, it's do. kind of a Robin hood type of a thing. It, right. That's it. That's it's idealistic pirates thieving around Robin hood. <laughs> like, that's exactly go. what that is. Like. And then of course your favorite, Star Wars movie ends with some pirates. Yes, it does. Cloud Riders, uh, who Han and Chewie support at the end of Solo. Bunch of pirates. The things I want to see more of in Star Wars, honestly, like we've talked about this a lot. Like I'd love to see more, yeah. more of of the the parts of it that aren't just Jedi and Sith. I'd love to see more witches, I'd magic. I'd love to see more pirates and bounty mm-hmm. hunters and and cr- crime stuff. Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Oh man, I'm excited for that. I imagine that will be. You know, Boba Fett ends up being the linchpin and just opening up the underworld. Yeah, because you can put him anywhere. Yeah. It's it's, it's yep. like watching Doctor Who. The Doctor is such a great character because he has a time machine and he can go anywhere. So, yeah, you can mm-hmm. do almost any story. It is clever, though. The thing that Star Wars does have going for it, as we are saying, I mean, magic is such a strange world. And then gangsters and then you know and then military officers one of the things that happens in this episode which we'll talk about is there's just all of a sudden this movement from a very magical sphere into a very military operation sphere yeah it's like oh this is very different and actually we talked about this in terms of the intro to this whole arc how different it feels mm-hmm. because magic is but but it's still part of the same universe and if you Having been familiar with it now, I'm like, no, that that works. Oh, absolutely. So a blue Twi'lek pirate named Ratch with four henchmen jump out, and Ratch carries Asajj out of her craft, and he's got a knife, and he says, You took quite a beating there, didn't you, Missy? (laughs) Which side of the battle was you on? Oh, not too talkative, are you? Now, why would anyone want to go there? Ain't nothing there but fog and witches. Sold. 
<laughs> right? That's not so bad. Fog, witches. Scot- this is the Scotland of uh, <laughs> of the Star Wars world. She straightens up. Exactly. Begins to strangle the five pirates surrounding her. Tosses them to the ground, and we see the salvage ship turning on a new course. It's just another great moment with her where she has just been unconscious or or at least almost to the point of being unconscious in a spaceship floating in space on her own presumably left for dead that she's so powerful yeah and so not to be toyed with that the minute she wakes up boom she's got four guys by the throat and they don't show it but i think we can assume that given what we're shown later about pirates in her life and the damage they do these five guys just got killed one thousand percent that was my assumption too it's i guess she killed him and she is (laughs) steering the ship you had one chance to take me to dathomir you asked me a silly question done you've failed me for the last time (laughs) that's that's the first and the last well we do have a new location then Dathomir is a red planet. It's neither separatist or republic. It's very aggressive, though. Not not really a neutral planet. It's more of an aggressive neutral, not yeah. affiliated. <laughs> yes. Fun fact on Wikipedia, it says this is also known as the Rancor planet. Oh. Ooh. Would you like to know why? <laughs> Does it have Rancors on it? One of the things that ends up happening is when... Uh, these characters, when their forebears first inhabit the planet, they figure out how to make friends with the Rancor. And so there's only a few hundred people who live on this planet, but they keep away all of the potential, you know, all the folks on the Oregon Trail coming out to Dathomir. They get turned back by the Rancor. <laughs> yeah, wow. Feels like the opposite to Dagobah to me. Oh, sure. I'll, I'll pitch this a little bit. The lots of vine imagery. Mm-hmm. It's red and not green, you know. But uh, you know, the, there's a good like kind of uh, dark side energy versus light side energy. And somebody said this. I forgot who it was, but they said that some of the planets in Star Wars have that. There's like concentrations of dark side power and concentrations of light side power. And so Dagobah is of that sort on the light side. There are places that have the dark side in them, but that's why Yoda's there. It's almost like he's feeding off that. But then interestingly, that cave on Dagobah seems to be... Correct. ...infiltrated by the dark side of the Force. Yep. There's something not right here. I feel cold. Death. That place is strong with the dark side of the Force. A domain of evil it is. It's almost like locations have kind of a magnetic pull for, you know, some some elements of the force. I suppose for Dagobah, it's real easy to see this because you just say, you know, if the force is a power that's generated by all living things, the whole planet is living things. <laughs> right. You oh, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt like the visuals were real similar. So Totally. And they they also feel desolate and remote, just in t- two different directions. True, yeah. Not there's lots of living things on Dagobah, but not there's no cities on Dagobah. Right. It is. It is the. It is the wilderness. Yeah, there it is, and that's this planet also. Yeah, desert wilderness versus forest wilderness. 
Dathomir, Dagobah. They even like kind of, there's a, there's a little yeah. off rhyme. Yeah. And you put them together and it's a Christmas planet. <laughs> Apparently the witches came to the planet um, a few generations back and the locals were the Zabraki. Mm-hmm. Darth Maul's a Zabraki. And the present population is a mixture of the two of the Zabraki and the, and humanoid, you know, witches. And apparently it's a, you know, it's a maternal, what do you, what do you call it? A matriarchy. Apparently the women actually have control over this planet and they put the males into camps, which we'll, we'll see in the next episode. And the males are actually essentially under the control of all the females and the females rule. And there's one female in particular who governs them all, who's essentially the queen who we're going to meet in a minute. So it's going to give you a hint into Darth Maul's story in part. That planet, you just described Sean Hannity's personal hell. (laughs) Does he ever get livid about the potential of a female becoming the ruler of of his country? I don't know that I know this about Sean. (laughs) When doesn't he? (laughs) We all know you're insecure, Sean. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the salvage ship arrives at Dathomir. Ventress stumbles out of the craft. She's clearly injured and apparently having killed all those pirates. <laughs> and we see a temple and a set of female warriors who are stalking Ventress from the sides as she's, you know, moving towards the entrance. And four of them jump down behind her. Six more take position in front. And one moves to take her lightsabers away and says, We don't like strangers. I'm not. It was a great line. That is a great line. Yeah, I don't know what else to say there. That's a great line. Kind of evokes even the like, no man can kill me. I am no yeah. man. Kind of a kind of a situation. Pull back the hood. I have face tattoos just like you, silly person. <laughs> you yeah. know? Part of the ship. Part of the crew. Well, the night sister responds. Prepare to die. This is, by the way, the second time that uh, Asajj Ventress has heard that. <laughs> Here in this episode. So they keep telling me that and it keeps not happening. <laughs> yeah, you guys are way really bad at predicting things. Yeah. She's not gonna die anytime soon. And then older character in a very flowing red outfit steps forward, who looks to be the ruler. She says, Stop. She is one of us. Take her to the village. Massage looks up and she says, And Ventress falls into her arms. And we have a new character to introduce. Yes, we do. Mother Talzin. What's your thoughts on this character? If you were to tell me, imagine a race of characters that were witches, what does the person who's in charge of them look like? This is what I would draw. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah, of course. Of course. Like, the the outfit the 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 facial tattoos the just the flowing robes the long fingers the long kind of elongated fingers and stature like she just looks like a magical powerful character yeah who you probably oughtn't to screw with or underestimate i had a great description but also i mean again just I'll, maybe you might let people do that kind of in a, in the same way that like yoda very clearly is like a magical little guy who you would underestimate to your detriment a lot of Game of Thrones for me going on in this character. 
Like yeah, a, the more that we get to know her, go ahead. I was just gonna say, like specifically with the character of Melisandre from Game of Thrones, or just sort of in general. If if it were the case that Melisandre was trying to win, not elevate somebody else to the position, but she was the one trying to gate to get the throne, that's it. Feels like who this character is to me. It's like in Ooh. a Red Witch, <laughs> right? But, I mean, that's um, I also love that character. So that's that's a great comparison. It's the person who is able to engage witchcraft and also has a lot of ambition, which we're going to see. Talzin is a Dathomirian Zabraki, and I specify that. I went down the rabbit hole on this. (laughs) If it's the case that the humanoid witches have mated with the Zabraki, they create a different species altogether, which is the Dathomirian Zabraki. And Asajj Ventish is of this species, and so is one Darth Maul. And she's what? She's like that shaman clan mother yeah, character. Like a kind of a high high priestess almost looking a little bit. You just talk about Game of Thrones, like a little bit of that kind of high sparrow kind of a thing too, where it's like this is yeah. somebody who kind of looks like they might belong to kind of a mythical religious order, but also is very political and ambitious and probably a little... Uh, not to be trusted and dangerous too. Yes. What's interesting, and I really like this trope, and I think it needs to get read into all three of those characters, into Maul, Asajj, and Talzin, is that this is an abused people. They look intimidating. They look like monsters. They look like people you really need to be cautious about, and you don't realize they consistently are getting beat up. Like it's easy to other beings that don't look like what we have come to quote unquote decide is quote unquote normal. Yep. I think that's exactly right. And so this whole culture has become very self-protective. That's the thing I get from all these characters. They just scream self-protection in terms of how they address the world. Yeah. There's an insular thing going on. Yeah. She's leading this coven of uh, self-protective force sensitive witches. I love that idea, <laughs> you know, as I, as I'm I say in. it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm in. Force-sensitive witches, done. We're going to find out later, and this isn't in Clone Wars, it's in comics. Uh, we find out later that she's the actual biological mother of Darth Maul. And what ends up happening, and this is this puts a wonderful wrinkle into things. Apparently Sidious had come to Dathomir trying to find an apprentice and mother Talzin was the one who was tops on his list. But then he saw Maul and he essentially took Maul and that was a a deep loss for mother Talzin, you know, and it created animosity and hatred and I will get back at you someday in her heart. And again, just to circle back to the proverb that we mentioned in the last episode, it's all vengeance. This whole episode, just vengeance, 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 keeps coming up in terms of retribution. Oh, yeah. And it certainly has taken her down the dark path. So, I also like, I like this depiction of witches because I feel like most things depict witches as either very old sort Mm -hmm. of maybe powerful but sort of pitiable easily defeatable kind of crones or or like kind of like lately i feel like weird over sexualized witches and i don't 
I don't really enjoy either depiction. Whereas this, I, this I really like. This, this feels Shakespearean. The, the the way you have witches show up, they don't look or act like you expect them to. They're terrifying, and and when they're requested or when they choose to do something, it always happens. It's just maybe not the way you think it should be. And I love this portrayal of witches versus like cronish buffoons or like weird, like sexy kind of magical things. Yeah, I agree. This is this is this is exceptional. There is a lot of female power that's conveyed in these characters that I suppose this is just my radar as a what I'm a cisgendered male. I feel the otherness that I'm watching on screen and it's something this isn't me and I realize it has a lot of potential and I mean that in the power sense that these folks can do things I could never do and I'm understanding it as a threat, as something very different, as something, you know, that is praiseworthy. All of those kind of go through my mind all at once. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. And my my feelings of it are like it. It really makes me want to lean in and and be like, oh, I want to pay attention to this. Yeah, because like you said, it's like, oh, these are clearly very powerful just on their own, mm-hmm. and and I just want to be around and and kind of appreciate it as as characters it's it's pretty cool something else worthy of note you just don't see very frequently the older powerful female in star wars Ooh, that's absolutely true they tried to they they've tried to establish that with leia clearly with the sequels and i want to say they did do a great job with it in clone wars with shock t yes agreed I don't know that you see it very many other places, but they nail it here. I mean, this is clearly, this is what it looks like to have a matriarchy, you know? Yeah. Show me the one whose safety deemed such destruction. This is the one. This is the one that you hunted, then saved? Yes. The one that saved me as well. From the mud hole? Yes. I know of such things. The songs of Eon's past tell of battles between Mandalore the Great and an order of sorcerers called Jedi that fought with such powers. It is an enemy? No. It's kind we're enemies, but this individual is not. I just like... Macbeth is my favorite Shakespeare play, so I'm just a fan of formidable (laughs) witches that, that... you should probably listen to and do what they say. Right. Or maybe you shouldn't in the case of uh, Macbeth, but (laughs) that's kind of part of it in in terms of, I suppose there's that element to uh, game of Thrones. Again, there are some uh, Dothraki, witches. I don't know if they're Dothraki, but they're Esteros. There's a, there's a character who is taken by Daenerys in she she had been oh, raped yes. many times and but she's she knows witchcraft and ends up being not the best thing that ever happens to Daenerys you know saving this woman um, or maybe it is shoot I mean she like uh, it's you'll know the end of season one of Game of Thrones if uh, you know and, uh, yes I do <laughs> but that that kind of the witch who 
physically doesn't have the power. It's it's an older woman, but mentally, emotionally, and then with magic has power. It's just a that's that's good stuff. Or even like Maleficent, that character from yeah. from Sleeping Beauty, and Absolutely. I I have actually not seen either of the live action Angelina Jolie films. Um, so all I know is from the animated 1940s cartoon, but even like mm-hmm. that, it's like, this is a powerful, scary character. Yeah. We've said this in the past. Villains are those that know the most and care the least. Yeah. This character cares about her tribe. That can also be a very scary personality. The, you know, in all of its incarnations. Right, well, yeah, there's a term called tribalism for a yeah. reason, and that can <laughs> right. become, it, uh, tribalism can turn into nationalism, and, you know, if you've paid attention to the news in the last couple of years, we know what that leads to. Tours this... of Capitol buildings. <laughs> <laughs> this is a different kind of face on that, you know? It's a same root, different expression. Entirely. And she's motivated. Her son was kidnapped, cut in half, apparently left for dead. She is aware, and we'll see this by the end of this arc, she is aware that her son, Darth Maul, is still alive. And she can't get to him, and that becomes a big element here. And so knowing that it wasn't just that you kidnapped my son, you put him in battle, left him to die, and he is out there suffering somewhere, in the heart of a mother in that space of the rage that's taking over, she wants to get back at Sidious, um, is longing for the death of Sidious. And so and a routine strategy for her is I need to kill the apprentice of Sidious in order to draw Sidious out. Because where is Sidious? We never see Sidious really except for in holograms, right? Correct, yeah. He's hiding somewhere, not sure where. <laughs> yeah man if only if only there was a way to know where he was hiding and spent his days like maybe he had a day job wonder where that would be but you'll know you'll notice i didn't catch this you'll notice this is what darth maul's strategy is in the siege of mandalore in the very first arc that we talked about he goes to mandalore hoping that skywalker will come because he knows that skywalker is sidious's new apprentice Oh, yeah. He's been been groomed to destroy. All Maul wants to do is kill Skywalker. And the reason he wants to kill Skywalker is because he wants revenge on Sidious. Yeah. And that's coming out of the heart of his mom. Uh Uh-huh. And other places, perhaps. Lo and behold, a very powerful force wielder shows up on Talzin's doorstep. And all of a sudden, Talzin knows, oh, I have an assassin. Who does? Who's going to be absolutely a tool that I can use to do what I want? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we notice again. Here's how the dark side works. It's not really about the. It's not that Talzin. I don't know if. Well, does Talzin care about Asajj Ventress, or is she just a tool in the same way that you know that dark, you know, Sith end up using people? You know what I mean? I, I'm wondering if there's maybe a little bit of both things happening because we we've kind of talked about a tribalism and a and a sort of care oh, that way. True. So so I'm wondering if it is it is a I care because I recognize you as one of us. There's maybe not a care in the sense of I have a relationship with you and I'm concerned about 
I'm concerned about your well-being, but there's just a, you are part of this tribe and therefore have a spot here and I will bring you in. But also knowing that you've got a set of skills that I can use to my advantage in achieving what I want. I think that's right. I think it's a both and that's good. Well, we cut inside the temple, which is something to have an Indiana Jones film, man. This feels like the beginning of (laughs) Raiders. Ventress is laid on this large stone, almost like an operating table. Talzin says, Bring the water of life. At last, you have returned, and you are safe again. And then we're going to have a flashback scene. And again, and I mentioned this earlier, but we've saved the deep dive on Ventress because this scene does so much to unpack who this is. And apparently the show creators are either discovering who Ventress is over time, or it's the case that at this moment they're like, look what we could do with this character. We could blow open her backstory, give her a real motive that isn't just power hungry like a lot of the other Sith. And then maybe we can do something real interesting. Yeah. Well, we see Halstead, who's a Sistine pirate, taking aside Ventress as a baby, and she's being stripped from her mother and placed in his hands. And we hear the voiceover say, I remember the day we were forced to give you up to protect the clan. Your sacrifice has never been forgotten. The thing that hit me here was it feels like a White Walker image. Again, to go back to Game of Thrones, it's like you're handing the babies over to these forces of evil for for their own malicious use in the future but it protects everybody else for a season oh yeah that's good mother talzin is uh whatever that mormont's name is who's north of the wall you have one son don't you moment i had my 99 you ever meet a man with 99 sons and more daughters than I can count. That, that's some creepy stuff for sure. Um, we then see another flashback in which Halstead is dead and in a desert town. It's got like kind of a, again, they, they pull in some Iraq from time to time. And this just reminded me of that, at least, or a Middle Eastern battle zone filled with pirates. I, yeah. I mean, maybe it's There's, the Caribbean. I suppose it could be. If it's pirates, yeah. But apparently he's been killed in a scuffle. And Ventress runs up to the body and says, Master, where are you? Master, they've killed you. And then a pirate is coming for Ventress. And then we see a man with a green lightsaber run around the corner to help. And apparently Ventress doesn't need to get saved. No, she does not. Flings the man with the force a good hundred yards into a tower. The man with the lightsaber comes up whose name is Kyneric. You are strong with the force, little one. It's a different image that hit me, but it's that felt to me like Xavier and Eric. It felt like Eric throwing something in rage in Xavier. Being older, it would be a different type of relationship, but the Xavier kind of compassion for this confused abused person who who has lost their parents again that yeah, we can talk about uh, orphans in star wars yeah 
coming up and saying, I see you. I see not only your power, but I see you and your pain, and I'm going to be the one to move you from here to there. To me, to use an X-Men comparison as well, but it to me it feels like Xavier hearing about and coming to Jean Grey, who is just... Yeah. who is angry and young and not sure what her powers are and just kind of wreaking destruction on people and him showing up and saying, I'm like you and you're very strong. Let me help you. Yeah, that's a better comparison. Figure out how to use this thing. Not the same because the maturity isn't perhaps there, but it's a Logan and X-23 kind of image as well. Like same sort of father-daughter recognizing the female strength in the young woman and saying this if if you don't figure out how to channel this in healthy ways you're gonna you're gonna blow everything up (laughs) you know you're gonna kill a lot of people sure well and i think in a in a more paternal sense at least with professor talking about professor xavier i feel like there's this thing of you are so powerful if you don't learn how to control these powers and and channel them in the right way i'm worried about the pain and destruction that could come to you. Yes. Yeah, it's about I, I think that's not, right. Not even as much other people. It's I want you to be safe and using the things that you know how to do in helpful ways as opposed to destructive ways for yourself. No, I think that's spot on. I got in a debate and I think this is a mistake. I there's a lot of folks who are out there who want to defend Mace Windu for for reasons that don't have to do with the actual character, which I totally <laughs> just because we like with. Samuel L. Jackson, he's I awesome. Mean, there's, there's all sorts of reasons, <laughs> but and I'm like, and I've routinely am of the opinion that I don't think Mace Windu is a good person. But part of the things we're all flawed human beings, but it seems to me one of the things speak for yourself that <laughs> Windu lacks is just basic compassion for Anakin on those levels. And I like the way you put it. It's not just that Windu should have had compassion on Anakin and Anakin's plight and past and the issues, the psychological trauma that he's wrestling with for the sake of the galaxy. Windu should have cared about him as a father. Windu is the paternal figurehead alongside Yoda in the Jedi Order. And there's only, you know, there's only so many people who really need emotional support in that circle. Oh. And absolutely, Anakin's one of them, right? Uh, yes, I agree with you across the board. I don't think Mace Windu is a good person, but I would go farther to say that most of the Jedi Council aren't great yeah. people. Yeah. Like, they don't care about this kid. They don't care about most of the kids. They don't care about most of the people. I think Yoda kind of comes around to it, but it sort of seems like it takes Yoda losing everything he's got and being forced to go into hiding to be like, ooh, maybe there's a different way to do this. I agree. I, I strongly agree, in fact. I think I think if you don't see that Yoda thinks he failed. Into exile, I must go. Failed. And that you need to read that into all the other stories. Agreed. If Yoda thinks he failed, you need to go back and watch these shows and say, well, where did he fail? Because it's got to be there. Otherwise, he's just beating himself up for no reason. And that, that doesn't make any sense for that character. And there's several bit with Yoda. I mean, that we, we know this. Like There's like, there's like five big moments of, of, of just massive oversight and failures yeah. on Yoda's part. And I think... Obi-Wan Kenobi is the same way. I, I don't know that he necessarily articulates it or allows himself to 
articulate it, but and, and I think we've said this before. There's yeah, a reason he's hiding out in the desert watching this kid because he failed. Yep. He did my words, Matt. Did you pass on what you have learned? Strength, mastery, hmm. but weakness, folly, failure also. Yes, failure most of all. The greatest teacher, failure is. Love it. Well, this. <laughs> this Jedi certainly adopts her, takes her in, picks her up. Then we see scenes of her as a teen with a slick goth hairstyle, training with Kai. Badass. She looks cool. There's some artists that have done Asajj Ventress uh, artwork with her with the haircut. Because she essentially shaves her head when she's with Dooku, but they have episodes lined out that didn't get released. And one of the sets is of Asajj Ventress and uh, another character, Quinlan Voss, and uh, and she has the hair back. Oh, cool! And so, so there's people who have said, "I, I want to see her with some hair again," <laughs> and they're they're great. Anyway, yeah, I I want to see this character in live action really I badly. I don't know if that's a possibility, but I, but I, I just want to. So there's a book that is that tells the culmination of her story yes we we talked about that they could always i mean just given how successful bad batch is being i mean they could always do some of those stories just release that i mean it's star wars you can release episodes anytime you want to do whatever you want get yeah. them back in Actually. i mean i yeah. suppose it's the case well no because the book is canon the book is canon so they they tell a culminating story in the book so um, and that happens before Order sixty six. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So she would. She's gone before any of these stories are. Yeah. Boo. You know where they could do it? They could do it in the Ahsoka. They could do it in the Ahsoka TV show. Oh, oh, yeah. Because if yeah, if they have a time element, which I bet they will, it would be entirely in the the wheelhouse of showing things from the Clone Wars to bring in. Something with Asajj Ventress, especially because of their, we, we hinted at this before and we'll talk about it here in a minute, but especially because Ahsoka and Ventress's stories are so similar. Absolutely. That would be good. That's a, all right, you and I, we should be, we should be getting paid for this. We really should. Uh, yeah. I don't know how this is, how we're missing out. We're fools. Like so we're even just some of the merchandise. <laughs> Well, Kai picks a massage up, takes her away. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. And, and then we see them battling together. And she apparently is a Padawan for about 10 years. So getting some good Jedi training here. And then we see a scene in which they are battling and Kai gets shot in the back. And Ventress runs over, picks up his lightsaber. She now has two green lightsabers, which I assume will soon become red. Mm -hmm. And we see Ventress on the table processing this. And then we cut and flash back again to, uh, to Dooku's palace. Anything we're saying here about, you know, orphans who lose another <laughs> parental figure in Star Wars? 
Well, and gosh, and just pop culture and storytelling in general. It's like yep. this seem it seems like the quintessential way to create a villain. It's like you take away their family and and then they get another family and then that gets taken away and then it's like of course it's easy to tempt somebody over into this other thing because you've lost everything. Mm-hmm. And specifically with the dark side of the force, the the tagline is like, want to do a thing that is going to teach you how to never have to lose anything again and you can save people <laughs> and you can do it. Like, of course, it seems like, the, like a perfect way. It's a great recruitment video. <sighs> I haven't thought about it in terms of that, in terms of recruitment, in terms of uh, your finding Because it's how people. they get Anakin. Yeah. It's, I mean, in theory, and we'll talk about this when we get to New Hope, it is how they get Luke in in part. It may be the case that he fortunately is recruited by somebody who is a a decent person in Obi-Wan, but Obi-Wan comes in and and is inviting him into a new religious experience after the death of his aunt and uncle. He sees them burned to death, you know? But that's the same story of of uh, Anakin who loses his parents and then watches Qui- Qui Gon die, or he doesn't watch him, but uh, like clearly loses Qui Gon, and it's the story of Ventress here. Loses and then, her parents and then with and Anakin then, again, loses his wife, and then yeah, is tempted into the dark side of things, and that's because specifically the dark side, is, the lie is, I'll teach you how to overcome death, and yeah, you know, of course that's tempting to people who have lost everything and have no one. I won't have to lose anything anymore. It's a, I mean, just to circle back to what I was saying about these characters on Dathomir, it's these abused people who have a self-protective side that opens them to sinister forces, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, Ventress starts cutting up those pirates who just killed her master. And apparently she's so angry, she takes over the whole planet. She's like ruling the planet by the time she finally goes to Count Dooku and says that she wants to figure out how to get vengeance. Don't do it. Who does she want revenge toward here? Everyone. I mean, that's, I think that is kind of right, yeah? The world, and I'm not saying that to be like facetious, but it just kind of seems like... Every situation she's in, there's somebody that's wronged her in some massive way. So it does kind of seem like I want vengeance and maybe it's not against a specific person, but maybe it's a people have and will continue to wrong me. And I want the tools to protect myself Yeah, by way of getting vengeance and revenge on all these people, whoever they uh, have been or might be. There's a personality type that seems to me that they just unleash this sort of energy at their worst where it's just I'm pushing out rage into the world over and over and over over again and what's actually happening is there it's in doing so they're trying to protect the soft inner core that is their heart and that's their method for protecting their heart it's just shoving people onto the ground when really they want to (laughs) hold them closer just need a hug which we've talked about before, if people just hug some of these goddamn people. <laughs> well, Dooku, after Ventress says, revenge, I must have revenge. Dooku says, I can sense the darkness within you. It's like, oh, yeah, great. That's a, that, Big fan of that stuff, too. That was Thanks, Captain Obvious. 
<laughs> you seem like an angry person. What gave it away? The face tattoos and no hair? There's <laughs> no going back from a face tattoo. Yeah, or the screaming, I want vengeance. Was that maybe what <laughs> tipped it off? Like, ooh, yeah, you seem like a mad person. She trades one very healthy master for one very dark master. I will teach you the ways of the dark side, but you must prove yourself first. And the rest is history. As is said. <laughs> well, you want to talk about Venturus and Ahsoka? Sure, yeah. Let's do it. Love the parallels here. I've hinted at this in the past, but Venturus is never going to become a Sith. You have to be a Lord in order to be a, a Sith. You have to at least be the number two. She's a acolyte is what you mm -hmm. call these. And I mention that word because there's a TV show coming up called The Acolyte. And it's going to be a pre-episode one show. It's like in that transition time. Oh, I did not know that. So um, I assume the Alkalite is either Palpatine or somebody Palpatine has in his clutches already. Right. But that's going to be the story. It's pre-Fall uh, pre of the Republic stuff. And, but that's her role or her uh, title, essentially. That's in the Sith order. She's an Acolyte. And that's true of Ahsoka as well. Ahsoka is not a youngling. She's too old. She's now a Padawan. So the ac Acolytes and Padawans are the opposite sides of, of that coin. Both battle with two blades. Ventress has to turn the Kyber in her blades red. You do that through torture. You torture the Kyber mm -hmm. and it turns red. And this is part of the Sith tradition. One of the best scenes in all of Star Wars is in one of the books with Ahsoka where she takes some tortured kyber that's red and she heals it and the blades turn white and mm -hmm. to my knowledge she's the only white lightsaber you know wielding character that i can think of off the top of my head yeah same obviously both of them taken from their family when they're young and both of them are gonna leave their tradition because they're betrayed and we've hinted at this spoiler for Ahsoka over and over again because it's just so important to everything that happens that we just need to mention it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. here, Ventress, it's happening to Ventress seasons ahead of Ahsoka. And so if we had caught that they were mirror images, we should have known <laughs> that uh, <laughs> something's going to happen to Ahsoka. Oh, yeah, it's right but, there. But I love that. And how do you how do you wrestle with that? The foils for each other. Yeah. Oh, that's I like that a lot. This will become r real important after Ahsoka leaves the Jedi Order. There's going to be an arc that focuses on Ahsoka, and, um, and Ventress is a character who, who may come into play. Oh, cool. And by may, I mean, I'm just will. saying. She will. We will see her again. It's, 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 she's coming to there. <laughs> <laughs> Plan on it. And that's where if they do stuff with Ahsoka and Ventress in the in that TV show, um, that would be yeah, great. Just all these beats, all these beats might be really important. So they they certainly could maybe use Ventress in that way. They just got to get somebody good to play her. So. Come on. Well, the flashback ends with a cut from earlier in the episode. Master, I need your help quickly. I've ordered your reinforcements to return. No, I will destroy the Jedi. I'll show you. You have failed me for the last time. 
now. You shall die. This feels like a like a like kind of a trope with with, with like witch characters, but kind of like in, in these sorts of things where it's like, yeah, you are forced to relive all the worst moments of your entire life, mm. and that's going to be the catalyst to push you towards the next chapter of your story, <laughs> which is the vengeance. You know what I mean? Like you get you get forced to see all the you take a potion, you 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 get hit with a spell or you whatever that puts you in all these moments. The focus on the past here and informing your sense of self and what are you going to do with that? That's that, I, <laughs> I think you're exactly anything right. Anything about that? <laughs> <laughs> that that is how these characters are working. Yeah, it's like the past means so much too. Well, I mean, it, it means a lot to all of us, but some of us really do like. Yeah. Feel here's where I was betrayed. Here was where I was vulnerable. Here's where um, I experienced huge pain and loss and how how does that materialize now or even i mean even just to say like th- there's also good versions of that too like look at all these awesome things that happened to me in the past and and here's what i yeah. remember but yeah like it's it's these those things frequently get used in in <laughs> i feel like science fiction fantasy and superhero things like somebody always mm-hmm. is forced to relive these traumatic hell moments and that pushes them out to become whatever it is they end up becoming. That's a good point. Like she's not looking back at her time with Kai and thinking, I'm so glad I had those 10 years and all that he taught me. And I'm going to push further into the Jedi tradition. It's not where she goes. She, the thing that's most important to her in that relationship is how he dies. And now she's going to get vengeance and that's going to color her entire life. Like she's putting all of her chips on vengeance. Yeah. It's a, it's a kill bill situation. (laughs) <laughs> kind of. I mean, not exactly, but I mean, a little bit. Yeah. That kind of, my whole identity is going to be about killing one guy or one thing. We talked about Inigo Montoya in the, the last episode. Yeah. The revenge business. <laughs> Swiftest path to destruction, according to the proverb at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Well, she awakens. Doku, you betrayed me. I know. I had hoped you would find your way to us sooner. I will have revenge. So just keeps coming back. <laughs> this is, you got, if you're a hammer. Yeah, everything is a nail. <laughs> yes, you shall, sister. We will see to it. Karis and Nalith are the greatest warriors of our coven. I'll be the judge of that. Badass, unbelievably badass. Like we'll see, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. prove it. And again, it's just consistently these huge moments of strength, like in in words or actions from Ahsoka. After moments where she's so vulnerable and and quote helpless, like yeah. just again, just like she's such a badass, powerful character. It's like she's from- just been reliving all this hellish, painful memories from passing out into mother the, the the her arms and then suddenly yeah. it's like i'll be the judge of that let's go let's go let's go ah. fight kick some ass i'm Sh- ready just shut down emotions gonna get the job done gonna gonna punish some knuckleheads because this oh, is i don't what's... even think it's shutting down emotions i think it's the anger that fuels that that's like i'm so angry that i'm able to just jump off this table and get right back into it there you it's, go propelling me forward that's a better way to put it channeling all of her grief and loss and pain into something else which is anger and action yeah there it is 
I relate to that. Again, I, I've there's yeah. nobody I'm trying to murder, but it's one of those things like, oh yeah, I've been there. Come on. You you said Ahsoka in, I was going to say Asajj, and there's another overlap. The, the two names are real similar. Oh, they have the same name, <laughs> for God's sakes. How do we not see that one? <laughs> the thing in the thing. Okay, so we cut to a seance, and they're around this green cauldron. Talzin says, Sister, we have assembled a portion for you to use in order to reach Dooku's palace undetected. Step into the mist and become like shadows. Inventress and the other two warriors step through the smoke. This is, by the way, how I would put on cologne in middle school, but no more. <laughs> I, hel- I, I, I helped a friend in her classroom for a lot of years, kind of co-teaching with him, and y- y- that is not wrong, what you're saying. Like, you'd walk down that middle school hallway, and you could almost just see, like, the green vapor in the air and smell it. You're like, my God, what happened in here? It's just a mistake to go with the green stuff, friends. Yeah, this does not make you invisible. It makes you all the more easy to see. You'll notice that Asajj Ventress is getting no kisses in this episode. Shame. Now you are invisible to most. Even Count Dooku? Yes, perhaps even Count Dooku. Not, which wouldn't instill me with a ton of confidence. Now you're invisible to most people. (laughs) I hope this works. What about the guy I'm showing up to kill who I hope is not able to see me? Uh, probably. <laughs> we'll see, why don't we see? You know, there's no guards in this palace. It's a, you got to fool one dude. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. I missed that. Uh, let's hope. I mean, hey, you can roll the dice. This is magic. It's not exactly a science. Well, they need to get to a spot where she can say, "What if he can sense us? Take this poison dart. It will dull his senses and distort his vision." Then you can deal with him easily. Jedi weapons. Two of Talzin's servants come with lightsabers, which they've apparently taken possession of because they've killed some Jedi. Oh, yeah, yeah, obviously. Just a, a it's again, shown not told. Mm-hmm. These are Jedi weapons. It's a clever, clever way to, what would you call that? To, uh, to put the blame on somebody else. You're going to be invisible but you're using Jedi weapons. Oh, yes, exactly. I suppose there's another Game of Thrones callback. That's exactly mm-hmm. what happens with the uh, the knife uh, that's used to try and kill Bran. It's like yeah. we're going to use this very, very, very special weapon, and that will be framing someone else. Yeah, you can start a war that way. <laughs> true, true. You'll need these. If the cult engages you, he must believe that you are Jedi. Nalith and Karis, serve your sister well. Deliver your vengeance, sister. Then return to us. We shall prevail. Badass. It just continues there. We see the salvage ship descending to Sereno. The three assassins exit. They begin climbing a cliff. They're like jumping on trees and they get up on the cliff, which takes them to Dooku's palace, which is perched on top. Ventress cuts a hole in the wall. 
this is becoming much more common in the episodes that we cover for you know i don't know why they even lock doors anymore in this oh, yeah, universe these people can cut holes in the walls <laughs> why don't you fortify the walls of your fortress not big doors has anyone thought we should just make these walls a little bit wider than four feet because those lightsabers are four feet if you just made it six feet there would still be wall yeah. they couldn't cut the like thing a out seven and a half foot wall and i think we'd all be able to sleep soundly at night <laughs> notice you've not hired any guards it. Ventra says, This way. He's below us. You can't sense him. I can smell his stench a parsec away. Very important recently for this, the Star Wars uh, curators to establish that parsecs are about distance and not time. Mm-hmm. A lot of confusion about that. But here's one of them. He's a parsec away. He's not 20 minutes away. He's... He's a mile away. He's a mile away. And which must mean he smells terrible or to throw back to what we said a moment ago, just mists on the cologne. (laughs) Well, they enter vents, which take them to Dooku's bedchambers, which are enormous. And not a lot of stuff in them. No, very, uh, you know, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright-ish, where it's very much about the architecture, not about... You know, a bunch of a bachelor pad. (laughs) Don't you have a couch in this? What do you sit on? (laughs) The bed. Well, what do you eat on? The bed. I would have a real hard time sleeping in a room this size. Like, could you fall asleep in a basketball court? Uh, No, I don't think I could. Not not right away. Not easily. I think if I was tired enough, I could just get there. But I think, yeah, if you were if you were to just be like, well, I guess I'll sleep here. No. I don't sleep. I don't like to sleep outside for the very same reason. <laughs> right there, it is too much space. Yeah. Ventress says to the others as they prepare to enter. Be on guard at all times. He is no fool. He is a Sith Lord. Ventress pulls out the poison dart, which I think she stole from a Harry Potter Quidditch match, because this thing's <laughs> got some snitch all over it. Yeah, the golden snitch. Yes. <laughs> Just put a needle on that sucker. <laughs> now you got a weapon. She sends it flying into Dooku's neck, who ignites his saber, begins looking around the room. The assassins are invisible. Mostly. Dooku says, What sorcery is this? I do not need my eyes to see you, Jedi. Because he is fooled by the lightsabers. Battle begins with the three, and Dooku fends the attackers off. They move from his bed chambers <laughs> through this like hallway, and now they're in his office space, which is that enormous office. <laughs> with one thing in it. <laughs> Minimalist to, to an extreme. At least he's got a stereo where he plays some Bach, I think, for that space. Yeah, exactly. Killer entertainment center. <laughs> where do you Just, watch this stuff? On the bed. Just as Ventress had played dead to lure Kenobi and Skywalker closer, Dooku's going to do the same move. Apparently, she knew that move, but didn't think, oh, he's going to use that same move on me. Because they get close, and suddenly blue lightning erupts from his hands, catches all three. That's just a moment where you're like, that's a lot of power out of that guy. (laughs) The The great thing about this episode and others, you know these Force abilities, and there's levels of the force abilities and they're 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 not going from eight to twenty they're going from eight to ten mm-hmm. in terms of volume and you're like 
that's that's how you should do this. You know, don't create new powers out of thin air that are. You just show us different versions of existing powers in yeah. varying skill sets. You can, you can make this work in the universe and still drive the plot. That was one of the things I loved most about that mall hallway scene in uh, Siege of Mandalore. Same thing. All the same powers used in very creative new ways. Yeah. No, it was perfect. Dooku throws the three assassins out that large 30-foot green window behind him. <laughs> one of them says, He is stronger than I imagined. Ventress. <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> what, mm-hmm. what, what do you think we were doing? I warned you. We cut back to Dathomir. The salvage ship lands. The women exit. They're greeted. Mother, we've... We've failed. Where one sees failure, others see opportunity. Talzin is clearly the one who writes the Proverbs at the beginning of all the Clone Wars yeah. episodes. Yeah. Good for her. <laughs> What do you mean, Mother? Your infiltration proves Dooku is vulnerable. He will be eager to protect himself. How? By finding a replacement for you. Exposition, but but you got any thoughts there? It's almost. I almost wonder if she knew this might happen, or if it was one of those things where she thought, you know, either the outcome is they kill Dooku, or the outcome is they don't. But it freaks him out, and he comes back here asking me for someone to protect him, and I can put a plant in there. And either way, I get my guy to get closer to Sidious, which is what I wanted from the beginning. So, kind of like we said with Palpatine, for her, maybe it's also kind of a win-win. Yep, I think that's right. The their replacement plan. I hadn't thought about this in terms of Sidious. Their replacement plan is about killing Sidious. Also, they're they're training up assassins, and yeah. that's that's their methods. Boom! Didn't think about that. So we're gonna we're gonna see their uh, replacement in the next episode. Last scene. We go back to Sereno. Talzin appears in hologram. Come, Duku. It has been too long. Yes, Mother Talzin. How may I assist you? It has come to my attention that you have lost your most prized assassin. How would you know of this? I know these things. I have seen it. After all, she was once one of us. (laughs) There's so many lines that are delivered in this episode to Dooku that are lines that Christopher Lee says in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. This is just one of them. I have seen it. You know, oh, yeah. Because he's looking <laughs> through the Palantir. Mm-hmm. It's just, but they did it two or three times, and I, I totally registered it and then skipped. <laughs> but that one was just, I like that, that, that line in uh, Lord of the Rings. I have seen it. It is true that your warriors are of an extraordinary caliber. Perhaps something different this time. Perhaps a male from our planet will be more to your liking, since you could not tame the female. Talzin sounding like a, a madam here. Yeah, oh, very. That's, but also it's like a nice kind of slam on him, too, where it's like... And it totally is. You cowardly kind of weak <laughs> schmuck. Can't handle uh, the ladies. We'll give you something weaker. Too much woman for Dooku to handle. <laughs> I want, I'd wear a shirt that said that. 
<laughs> Talzin is clearly reinforcing things that you already said, that Dooku is a weak coward. Big old coward. But Dooku clearly did feel comfortable with Ventress, and he is moved now because he feels vulnerable. He has had somebody break into his house, his planet. I mean, he's <laughs> he's a head of state. Somebody, an assassin, was in the White House. Yeah. I shall take you up on your offer. Excellent. I will be in contact. We then see Talzin turn to Ventress, who says, I will see Count Dukutet. I swear it. So you shall. So Dun, dun, dun. Roll credit. To be continued. To be continued is right. Uh, it's a, I think that's a, as you were kind of saying, it's like, what are they setting up? Is this it? Uh, yeah. I, like I said, I did not realize it was an arc. So this episode ended and I was like, what the hell? <laughs> Two solid acts though. Yes. The, uh, act one is the betrayal of interest. Act two is, you know, this assassination attempt that doesn't work so they need to figure something else out that's going to lead them down a new path that may or may not be the best road forward yeah you know? no absolutely bang what do you want to see you got anything uh that hit you in terms of i'm hoping for this in the future you got any predictions uh, no predictions i just want i just would like to see more of this group of women yeah i have more witches more magic <laughs> witches and magic mo witches mo magic there's the shirt. I want that. All right. Well, it would mean the world to us if you take two seconds. Give us some stars on iTunes. I think only five people have done this. Um, we need some love. Um, I'm sure by the time this is posted in six months or so, there'll be more. But we would love for you to share this on your social media or just simply give this to a friend you have. Just one friend who loves a galaxy far, far away. Um, that means the world to us, and I say it every single time, but if you spend just two seconds doing that, it really allows this podcast to move forward. So, The music is by John Williams, Samuel Kim, Ludwig Gorenson, and the great Kevin Kiner. All Star Wars material is created by the phenomenal artists at Lucasfilm, and you can find all of the links to all of our stuff on StarWarsBench.com and on the Twitter. You got anything else? Uh, I do not. Mo witches, mo magic. I'll say it one more time. <laughs> You stand your mother's shed. Now you are invisible to And I'm Jeff Cook. Too much woman for Dooku to handle. That wasn't funny, man. Seriously, uh, Daniel, guess what? You know, you want, you want to know why? Uh, because uh, this is the way? This is the way. My friend, this is the way. Where one sees failure, others see opportunity.
listening to the Grand Army of the Republic broadcast, the voice of the Outer Rim.